The growing adoption of electric vehicles is driving a rapidly increasing demand for rechargeable batteries and their input commodities. Hi, I'm Rochelle Boerta, and in this episode, Director of Mining at Modern Corporate Solutions, Peter Major, gives Schlingiwe Motohung a forecast for the short and long-term future of battery metals into the year 2030. Hello and a warm welcome to Deep Insights on Mining Review Africa. My name is Shengiwe Mutawung and thank you for joining us today. Now, the growing adoption of electric vehicles is driving a rapidly increasing demand for rechargeable batteries and their input commodities, including lithium, cobalt, nickel, graphite, manganese, copper, and aluminium. So in today's episode, we take a look at mining in 2030, particularly in the battery metals space. My guest today really needs no introduction, but I really must give it. Born in Vancouver, British Columbia in 1955, graduated in Montana Schools of Mines in 1981 and came to South Africa in 1982 to work for Harmony Gold Mine. He completed his SA Mine Manager's Certificate, then an MBA from the University of Cape Town. Began his investment career in 1989 with Alan Gray Cape Town for two years as a gold mine analyst. He then spent 10 years as a senior fund manager and head of mining at Netco Investment Bank. He joined Cadaz in 2006, where he is the director of mining, focusing on private equity, capital raising, M&A activity in the mining and resources sector. Mergence has taken over Cadiz since January 2019, where he continues his same role. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome South Africa's mining veteran, Peter Major. Peter, welcome to Deep Insights and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for the great introduction, Shlingiwe. <laughs> you could be my agent anytime. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably get sued for publicity, incorrect publicity. It, it would be my pleasure. <laughs> But your intro is correct. Yeah, mining veterans probably the best way to describe definitely it. you mining are, and, and it's such an honor to be talking to you this this morning, Peter. But let's just get into it. Let's talk about the future of um, battery metals. As I've mentioned uh, previously off air and in my in my email, that um, as the renewable energy boom is fast approaching, battery metals have have taken the center stage in the in the in the mining landscape, and we're looking to find out just how much the future looks for these minerals. And I think that's where your analysis comes in. And, and we'll start with, with cobalt. Let's start with cobalt. The DRC's cobalt reserves accounts for nearly half of the world's um, reserves of the metal. Given the high demand and, and tight avail- availability, I must say, how does Africa, particularly the DRC, prepare for an upswing like this one for, um, to, to secure longer term supply? Lingiwi, when you say, how does Africa prepare for the cobalt boom? I, I think that question you can use for about anything in the future for Africa. Mm. How does Africa prepare for investment? How does Africa prepare for moving materials, especially bulk materials like iron, manganese, copper ore? So should Africa be doing anything different because of cobalt demand? 
Not really. If Africa was just preparing itself for investment, they would already be doing all the right things for cobalt. In other words, they need stable institutions. They need good infrastructure. You know, you need a, a functioning airport, functioning telecommunications. You really need functioning electricity, highways. And I, I dare say, most of all, you need a functioning railroad. And we realized this back in the 1800s that Africa needed a functioning railroad before we even had electricity invented, before we had telecoms. And, and a functioning railroad was put in place for most African countries, but we've let it go down. We've let the highway, the trucker, the taxi mafia dictate all over Africa. They don't really want a railroad. So yeah, let's go back. What do we do to prepare for the cobalt boom? We've got the cobalt, not just the Congo, but the countries surrounding the Congo, especially Zambia and Angola. And in a little bit, you know, Botswana, South Africa. But yeah. you're right. DRC alone has 50% of what the world's currently using. And they could go to 70, 80% or if the world demand doubled. But they couldn't ever double their production because they don't have electricity. They don't have railroad. They don't have decent highways. They don't have decent telecom, financial. So really, if government just tries to make the country more attractive for investment, they'll be doing a great job making it better to increase cobalt production. So, so in other words, Africa just needs to get infrastructure on par. We just need to be attractive to investors. Yeah, we can improve the big things, railroad and power mm. and telecoms mm. fast enough. So there's been recent developments, right, towards um, a slight decline on the average uh, cobalt content in automotive batteries so this decline does it where does it place cobalt in 2025 do we are we going to see a steep right one? now yeah right now the world's furiously trying to reduce the cobalt required but the production of batteries and autos is going up even faster mm. so in other words even if they could have the amount of cobalt needed in batteries they need almost double and triple the batteries in the next two or three years. Mm. So it's, it's almost balancing each other out. Mm. But the world is working hard because cobalt is a rare, expensive metal. The world is working hard to find substitutes. And there are some promising metals. Some are well known already, you know, manganese, nickel. Yeah. Yeah. But cobalt, right now, the way we're building our lithium-ion batteries, mm. cobalt does such a great job because... It's like the governor. It it mm. um it balances out the electricity transfer, the electricity generation. Mm. If if you didn't have cobalt in your cell phone, they would be blowing up all the time. Because mm. as soon as the, the battery charge goes down, bang. And and so cobalt's really needed the way our batteries are currently constructed, mm. but they're altering how these batteries are constructed all the time, not just the lithium batteries. Yeah. They're even trying to replace lithium. Mm. So this is how the free market works. Mm. You've got mm. 220 countries. Mm. And when there's a real demand, exceptional demand for one product like cobalt, other countries find out, oh, we also have a little bit of cobalt we can produce. Yeah. Um, and the yeah. recyclers find out, oh, we can recycle more cobalt than we thought we could because the price is going up. And then all the mad scientists say, 
oh, we think we can come up with a battery with even less cobalt because the price has gone up. So all these people and ideas and industries are working separately, but it has that kind of smoothing effect. Mm. Now, when you talk about lithium, I think I read a study by Meta Autotech. This is a technology company that says that lithium demand has almost doubled as well from 2017 at 255,000 tons to 450,000 uh, tons in 2022. What can we expect on lithium production and what are what are the demand projections between now or 2025 to say 2030? Oh, that they're definitely for another doubling of demand in less mm. than five years. And now I've seen projections doubling that in another five to 10 years. But that's going to be easier than cobalt. Um, mm. The majority of the lithium produced today comes from Australia and mm. comes from South America. Mm. In fact, Australia is producing almost 50 percent. Mm. So we know their infrastructure is very world class. Yeah. There are institutions, you know, judiciary, legislation, financial, mm. it's pretty first class. Yeah. So Australia can certainly, with more money, they can increase it. Can they double it alone? Probably pretty close. Uh, they need a lot of money. But yeah. when you add Australia with Chile, Bolivia, and Argentina, who's probably another 30, 35% of the world, they can definitely benefit improving their infrastructure, improving their government, and more money. Money solves almost every problem known mm. to man. So mm. there's less problem doubling our lithium yeah. uh, production in the next five years than cobalt. So let's let's just take lithium in the within the context of Africa. The main sources of lithium globally are, are the brines and hard rock deposits, right? So production from brines is more economical, while hard rock deposits are somewhat more challenging to, to process. How can countries like Zimbabwe, rich in hard rock lithium, find ways to maintain sustainable production costs, especially on the beneficiation side? Yeah, Zimbabwe. Always a very good case in point because mm. they had a big lithium tin tantalum mine mm. decades ago. And it was always low grade, but it was a huge resource. Mm. And and Zimbabwe had low costs. Um, their their labor costs throughout, you know, management. Yeah. Zimbabwe was a cheap country and a rich country to live in. Mm. So people were happy to live there and make less money than they would in London, Paris, New York. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Zimbabwe had good weather, good deposit, um, lots of food, lots of electricity, cheap. Can they have that again? Mm. Yes, they can if they really want it, if mm. government really wants it. Mm. But we haven't seen many African countries that prove... Strap up for it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that prove they want to alter their policy and legislation to put them at the bottom end of the cost curve. Mm. And yes, it is hard rock, but most of Australia's lithium is hard rock. Mm. Um, the grades are different in Zimbabwe. The type of ore is different, but it can be beneficiated there. But you need good infrastructure. You need good electricity, good transport mm. to beneficiate. Mm. So and they can do it. it it's yeah. just a willingness the by willingness. the existing government. Mm. Let's move on to manganese. 
South Africa holds the largest reserves of manganese at 640 million tons. Um, 150 million BEVs a year will be built. Those are uh, battery electric vehicles. They will be built by 2030. With some electric vehicle uh, battery packs weighing up to 500 and 100 kg of that being manganese, right? But recent studies reveal the detrimental effects associated with manganese, like manganism, for instance. This is a medical condi condition from Parkinson's disease. So people who work and live around um, manganese smelters are likely to be exposed um, to such. So while we fervently uh, journey towards being carbon free and saving the planet, and while South Africa stands a great chance um, to benefit greatly as a manganese supplier, how do we ensure that the excessive mining of these minerals does not compromise people's health? There's lots of ways to handle that. Mm. The toxicity of manganese comes mainly through when you, you're breaking it down metallurgically in a furnace, mm. just like lead. Yeah. You can mine lead, you can even grind it, mill it, and it's not that toxic. It's not deadly. But when you put it in a blast furnace and, and you oxidize it yeah. with heat, that's that's when the fumes and the debris around there become toxic. A lot of this is understanding it. Now that we understand this, and, and unfortunately we understand it through a lot of people being damaged, mm. and South Africa doesn't have nearly the manganese smelters it used to either. You know, because of our electricity going up and being mm. unreliable, we export most of our manganese in bulk. Mm. So there's a lot less people coming down with the disease here. Yeah. Now, should we get stable, cheap electricity? Should we want to beneficiate it? We we'll understand it much better. So the dust control will be much better. People will wear respirators. Mm. Um, all the handling facilities will be watered down mm. and, and ventilated much better. So that's not too big a problem, just like dealing with uranium. Yeah. When people didn't know how deadly and bad uranium was. They were all exposed to it. Now we can measure it so well. Mm. Nobody ever needs to get even a mild dose mm. above what he should. So That's dealing the with the health with and safety aspect precautions of manganese will put us in a better state. Yeah, it's there's a lot of metals more dubious, more risky than, than manganese. Mm. And mm. yes, you're right. The world produces 50 million tons a year. South mm. Africa produces about 20 million. Mm. And most of that is exported in its raw form. So it, mm. it's not toxic. It's not harming people. It's the part in the blast furnaces that, that we now understand much better. So that all worker safety can be taken care of there. Mm. But also, where do we see manganese in, in 2030? If you look at how much manganese goes into batteries, mm. I don't even think it's 2% mm. of all the manganese produced. 90% mm. goes in steel. Mm. So if battery use doubles, if manganese battery use doubles yeah. tomorrow, can we go from 2% to 4%? Yes, you know, the price would only marginally probably go up a few cents per ton because yeah. of the battery demand. Okay. okay, that's for a more specialized manganese, um, but there's no problem producing more manganese. So now, Peter, let's move on to graphite. 
According to a study I, I, I went through from Benchmark Mineral Intelligence, there will be a global graphite deficit starting in, in actually started this year. And the demand um, from the battery sector is expected to rise 30%, I think, annually until 2030. Meanwhile, China controls 84% of the global supply. So how, how do we get the graphite from China. I mean, China is at least a decade ahead of the West and as in terms of, you know, the capability of producing batteries. And it's presumed that they will likely want to keep many of the minerals for themselves. So what do battery and auto manufacturers need to do in order to successfully source graphite? You can fight a war on many fronts. Mm. So like we spoke about cobalt earlier, the first thing is you better stay friends with China. Okay. You're right. China produces the most natural graphite, maybe 60% of world production. And I think it's 80, 90% of the synthetic graphite is produced in China. Mm. So they have spent billions in decades. They know how to produce it. The best graphite, the cheapest. So you're right. They got a 10-year head start on us. So let's stay friends with China so that we get all we need. Let's, in the meantime, you know, simultaneously in parallel, let's start sourcing it from other deposits. And Africa has lots of good graphite deposits. Yeah. Mm. Um, and we've got a lot of factories and technologies in North America and Europe that are working at starting to make artificial graphite, synthetic graphite. Mm. And that's much better. It's more expensive, but it's better than the natural graphite that mm. you have to mine and then beneficiate. Mm. So... A lot of battery manufacturers are working on doing without graphite. So it's it's all these different fronts that are happening simultaneously. Mm. And what triggers that is usually the price, the mm. price and availability. And, and we know as soon as availability gets tight, the price automatically oh, goes up. Mm. And that's that's the warning light and the siren that tells all these other subsidiary ways of getting graphite, hey, speed up your act, you know, mm. find a replacement for graphite, mm. find another country that produces it, find somebody else to beneficiate it, mm. stay friends with China. Um, so, so, so basically I, the industry is trying to balance itself out with regards to battery metals on in terms of what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And I'll tell you, forecasting has never been more difficult. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure when it was easy to predict the future, but mm. it, say when man discovered steam engines, yeah. You know, 1800, 1790. Mm. Then he could focus on that. Then man discovered oil or production of commercial he could oil. Solely like focus on that. Mm. Yeah, focus on that. Mm. And then it was another 40, 50, 60 years before he thought, oh, we can use the gas as well. Yeah. And, yeah. and how about when we discovered electricity? What? Mm. 1880, you know, 1890. Mm. All of a sudden we focused on copper. That was the best way of transmitting electricity. Mm. So, mm. I think the future was a lot easier then. Even nuclear, you know, uranium yeah. made nuclear energy. Now you have to focus on so many spheres of the future. Ooh, what kind of battery? Lithium, mm -hmm. sodium, calcium, uh, lead acid, mm -hmm. um, vanadium redox. Man, there's so many different batteries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do we find the metals for each one? How do we improve the efficiency? Which one's going to die out? The future's never been harder to predict. <laughs> to predict, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so now let's let's talk about. This is a bonus question. In your opinion, 
Which African battery metal companies are set for exponential growth towards the renewable energy boom and why? I, I didn't prepare for that question before this interview, so I'm, I'm pretty embarrassed. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I'm so localized in South Africa. Mm. That this is where you start. And you say, yeah. gee, do we have any battery companies here? Well, Sabanya will tell you they're, they're focusing on battery metals. And yeah. we know Arm and Exaro say they're starting to focus. Mm-hmm. And, hey, if this vanadium iron redox battery then Kumba's going to say they're focusing on more iron ore for, for their battery. Yeah. But I, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Which graphite producer should we be looking at? Mm-hmm. Which lithium producer should we be looking at? Yes. Um, and I'm I'm biased because I've done a lot of work for a little company called Marula. And it is so small and nimble. Mm-hmm. And it's getting on the, the very bottom of the cost curve, buying battery metal deposits mm-hmm. like graphite like copper and like lithium mm-hmm. and the the share is trading at just a few cents and so yeah i'm kind of partial it's like voting for your brother yeah you should be looking at but um i i think i think it's worth looking at the ones that get the deposits but make okay. sure the deposit looks economic so you're going to need an analyst or a geologist to help you choose mm-hmm. um the ones that are popular and well known i think the market's already taken the meat out of them Okay. So I don't have good advice here. I, mm-hmm. I hope most mm-hmm. fund managers aren't using me to mm-hmm. advise which battery metal companies to get. I, I doubt they are. <laughs> so for now, for now, we'll stick to Marula. <laughs> okay, Peter, but um, we've come to the end of um, this, this session. Thank you so much for your time, for sharing such uh, put great insight on the future of battery metals. Um, we wish you the very best uh, with the rest of your tenure at, um, at Mergence and um, happy holidays. Thank you very much. You too. And please call me if you're in Cape Town. We'll we'll talk more about this over a nice glass of wine. Absolutely. (laughs) Peter Major, ladies and gentlemen, Director of Mining at Mergence and very dear to the South African mining landscape. We've come to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Remember to like, share and subscribe to Deep Insights. For more mining news, visit miningreview.com. Until next time, goodbye.